Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Nerd Soup. I am Bo Oliver, joined here today with Aaron, the Nerd Soup Monkey, and we are back to review Invincible episode. Is it episode five? I think so, yeah. Yeah, episode five. Title. Let's see if I could pull it out of my head. That actually hurt. Thinking about the title? <laughs> yes, it did. Okay. It came to me. I know you don't have a lot going on up there, so. No, I had to, I had to run around like SpongeBob in that one episode. <laughs> What's the title? Yeah, that actually hurt. And as you saw in the episode, I think that would hurt, definitely. Couple scraps. Doesn't feel good, I would imagine. No, I mean, that final battle, man. I mean, Beast, uh, Battle Beast, he was an otherworldly problem. And I think they hinted at that, too, that he, he comes from another world and he was upset because he was promised worthy champions. But the one worthy champion was the guy hovering over the building. You know, kind of just watch, setting all of these things in motion, almost. You would think he called in the backup, and right, it, it's strange. No, it's there's tough love, and then there's that. Right. Um, my parents taught me lessons in different ways. They didn't let me get obliterated by a beast alien creature and let him drink my blood. So maybe that's why you're the man you are today. Maybe you would have been better off. You think I would have been? Took a couple licks from the battle. Getting my chest cavity caved in. That was nasty. That yeah. was disgusting to see the the imprint of his club in this man's chest. Um, I didn't expect that to have such a dramatic cliffhanger, especially with Invincible. I thought in this moment when he breaks free and he guys he's like, "You guys are fucking dead," and he still just gets fucking obliterated by Battle Beast. Um, he was like, he was being a little brutal too. I think more brutal than we ever seen him. Yeah, it, it, it goes to show when you're put in a situation like that, it, it can pull out the beast. Mm-hmm. No pun intended, but they say it in Game of Thrones all the time. In fights, that's where men become animals. And yeah, no, you definitely saw that with Invincible. Um, and then the team comes in. I think the the new Guardians or Fire Force, whatever their name is, and they <laughs> they act like they're about to save the day, and they just got their shit rocked too. It was basically just one on ten. Yeah. Like, Battle Beast didn't even need those teammates, man. He's a problem, man. He was Duke Zion, you know? I think it was a very impressive... I mean, obviously, the finish to episode one has already become iconic. But this was another iconic fight sequence. And people like fights. They like to see that. But at the end of the day, when you can (laughs) just leave that lasting impression in in the audience's mind, I, I think that would be considered a success for what they were going for. And the animation, like I said, it's it, it looks great. No, oh, yeah, definitely. It's a it's a great fight sequence, and you know, it's. I mean, the show definitely has that great mix of having it feel like a not campy, but like a very wholesome type cartoon, and then they hit you with this brut- brutal fucking ending, and you re- you realize again, like, oh shit, this, this is real. This this shit's real, and. Uh, that shot of Omni Man, the silhouette of him opening his eyes and then closing, and then opening him again, and him being gone. <laughs> it's that. That's a nice touch there at the end. But yeah, uh, I hope Invincible doesn't know that he was there because that's just that's got to put a strain on the whole father son dynamic. Yeah, that might be the thing that starts to open Invincible's mind to the idea that Omni Man's maybe not so great. I mean, he saves him in earlier in the season when they're fighting against the aliens in episode two. Um. This time, no, he stays back. And you would think that Omni-Man knows his limitations, where he wouldn't let Mark die. But yeah, <laughs> Omni-Man is just a... He's a dark, shadowy figure in this episode. He really is. Yeah, and he's not the only bad parent in this episode. He's parents. Don't they realize Rex Blood is just a fucking dickhead? This also felt like a classic coming-of-age trope, where you have to stay with the 18-year-old because he'll protect you, right? Yeah. And I guess it makes sense because in the real world, that's kind of an outdated idea. But when it comes to being a superhero, 
you can kind of understand where they're coming from, but still, she makes the point that she's probably the strongest out of all of them. I mean, she can change things on a molecular level. I also thought it was so funny when she creates the door and runs away, and he's like, don't you leave that door like that. <laughs> you come back and change that. No, uh, but I, I like that scene, like her kind of sticking up for herself, realizing she doesn't need anyone to kind of make it on her own, and she knows what she wants. So I think with that Eve character... You know, it, it's tough because I think obviously she has a great relationship with Amber, and but I th- I still think she probably would like to be with Mark. So yeah, that'll be interesting. I wonder yeah. if that resolves itself. It, it feels like Mark and Eve are supposed to be together. Like Mark and Amber are a cute couple; they're good together, but like their lives are just not matching up at the at the moment. It makes kind of more sense for Mark and Eve to be together. Because the way that she's kind of helping him with, with becoming a superhero, telling him that she he needs to know where things are when he's in the sky. Um, but yeah, no, bad parenting all around. I mean, Titan's not a bad parent. I mean, I think they did a great job of really making the audience sympathize with this character. Yeah, I thought he was about to murder that little girl. <laughs> and he just pulls out the ice cream. <laughs> he was creeping on her, man. But you kind of see he has like a, well, I guess we'll find out more, but this seems he seems to have like a moral code about him, and he's he was doing this just to better his family and better himself, and create a great life for his daughter. And we saw him at times show mercy, and I think uh, Machine Man even says that that's his, that's one of his problems. But he does get the job done. But he he is a sympathetic character. But I, I was so sick at the end when he gets called boss, and you kind of realize he was manipulating the situation to put him on top. And I think there still is a lot of humanity in that character. We'll see how this new position changes him, and maybe his ideals get a little warped, as we do see in many different stories where this happens. But uh, just from this episode, he seemed like a man who was desperate to help his family and was able to manipulate the situation to better himself. Yeah, bringing in Mahershal Ali instantly. I had to pause, check the voice. There he was. Um and his character, he gives Mark this new perspective, this street perspective of what it is to be a hero. When Mark says, I'm not going to work with you, you're a criminal, he kind of just laughs. And it's such a black and white type of terminology to use in a situation like this. And we see it. This is a man who is out there doing things. He's out there doing things to support his daughter who is ill, support his family. And like he says, he's not necessarily a criminal. He just owed a bad guy some money. But at the end, he becomes the criminal. Yeah. Um. And it's interesting. It looks like he's going to be a kingpin sort of character because that's kingpin in the comics. Is He's the mafia boss, but the community loves him because he's Robin Hood. He takes care of people. It's just he's not turning his back on everyone. I, I got to get mine. He He is a community man. He likes to present himself that way. So I wonder if the character of Titan will, will assume that role moving forward where he becomes like the Don Corleone of the superhero underworld. Just the superhero world in general. But Machine Man was funny. <laughs> when he's like, that's imported maple. <laughs> Italian maple. Add that to your debt. <laughs> you have to go with the auto-tune? That shit was great. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. You work for me now. <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> uh, I was like, like, am I hearing that right? Is he using auto-tune? <laughs> Uh, it's never a bad moment to use autotune. I would love when I'm dead. I want someone to eulogize me in autotune. Why? Because it'll get people smiling. No, it wouldn't. Yeah, well, <laughs> not Jay Z. No, he'll be upset. Yeah, death of autotune. <laughs> the first scene when he's just out there collecting debts and shit. <laughs> the action sequences just keep topping. That was brutal, man. When he threw the gun and <laughs> caved in the guy's skull. 
And when he just headbutted the one guy and killed him instantly. Yeah. Just here, hold this. No, he's a problem, man. <laughs> the kid, too, was great. Yeah. Well, that's, like, the thing. Like, he'll let, like, a kid go. Right, right, right. You know, yeah. so. Or even when he tells the people when he's stealing the chip, he's like, is this, is your life worth minimum wage? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> just shoot at the ceiling. Yep. So, I think there he's a very uh, human character doing what needs to be done, but I think, you know, there's probably a part of him that saw that opportunity too and if he could be at the top then that could we see it all the time it's when you take an opportunity even if it's for the right reasons it could manipulate the way you know and change who you are from the beginning yeah and i think this will certainly change how mark sees the world um we touched upon this on the falcon and winter soldier review the difference between avengers endgame and dealing with superhero terrorists it's so much more complex. It's not black and white. It's not we get the gang together and we go and fight a super alien. That's how Omni-Man views his role as a hero. He needs to think about the bigger picture, stopping asteroids, stopping dragons and alien invasions, alien invasions, stuff like that. But I'm glad that the show is taking the approach where they are going to go ground level. And uh, and, and that's what the show has really done well, is, is grounded in a sort of realism that heroes can die, heroes can be hurt and it's it is more complex and good guy versus bad guy we see that with omni-man so it's just them once again further grounding the story and just making it so much more interesting because of that right and i think for invincible i think this experience is something where you know it was never it, like i feel like now for him at least it's beca- it becomes real knowing mm-hmm. that there is some gray area between different people and not to trust trust everybody and the real brutality of what it is to be a hero in this world yeah and daddy didn't save the day like you said tough love last time he was in this situation with the invasion omni-man swooped in this time he didn't (laughs) he continues to be probably the most fascinating character in the show at our last review we didn't really touch on we didn't really touch on the character of debbie and what she's going through um, and they have that back and forth here where she says, hey, I was the one who taught you to how to be a hero. I can do the same thing for with Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you wonder in the future if they are going to draw that line where she is the one that, that chooses between them. And that's ultimately the, the deciding factor of who will be the main hero. But she continues to snoop. She continues to find uh, damning evidence against her husband. And at, at this point, you can just assume that she's cracked it. You know, that flashback of him demanding that they bring back the costume. But it doesn't feel like that's like that's not her Omni-Man, <laughs> right? That's what she's going to say. That's not my Omni-Man. That's not the, the Nolan I know. Sometimes, I don't know, It's I wonder what his rationale is going to be. If it's just a ego thing where he's the only one that he wants to be the only one in charge. Right. Or if it's something more. But, yeah, I'm wondering how he's going to spin that to his wife. And eventually, uh, I think we all assume Mark. Yeah, eventually he... you think yeah he finds out and that's going to destroy his world Mm -hmm. um because his dad very much is his hero and there's so many great wholesome moments between them just of him trying to teach his son how to be a hero and then letting him get off early to go on the date with amber another dynamic that i've enjoyed this season is the mark and amber them trying to him trying to balance the life of a superhero with also being in a high school relationship she's giving him a lot of uh wiggle room yeah for her it's weird because he's just not showing up but he's also remembering all the things that she likes Mm -hmm. he is caring he's he is attentive he's just never there yeah (laughs) um and it's you would think that she's a smart kid eventually she's going to put the pieces together here does she know about eve i don't even remember that but once again it's the spider-man stories of old 
mm-hmm. Spider-Man trying to make it work with Mary Jane and also trying to be a hero and it's kind of it's just a thankless job, right? You get praise from random people on YouTube, but at the end of the day, it's it, it can take a toll on your personal life. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's nothing too complex, but everyone likes a good coming of age uh, story, and that's what this this show does good is uh, does well is they're combining genres here. Like it's something where it might be easier with Eve because they both know who they are and have kind of the same responsibilities, but trying to hide that and still be an attentive and be in a relationship, it's tough to do. And and especially at that age, right? It's something where Omni-Man tries to tell him that your main responsibility is to be a hero, but you know, it's something Mark always wanted, but now is it something that he regrets? Seeing that how it affects his social life, how it affects his physical life, (laughs) getting pulverized and... You know, it's going to be interesting to see how he bounce back and what perspective he has on the world after this, these events. Yeah, it feels like we're entering a new age of superhero stories. And I know Invincible is a comic that goes back to the early 2000s, but so many stories are, are really trying to stretch the limitations of the genre and bring in other genres, ground their stories. And you see that with Mark. Like, like you said, he was a wide-eyed hero wanting to just be like his dad. And <laughs> when you're not as powerful as someone like Omni-Man... It's going to take some getting used to. It's going to take some beatings. It only gets more complex when you keep adding in more personalities, when you see how how complex and how big the superhero world actually is and how, how all these different people have different motivations, different motivational factors. Yeah, I think I said this last week, but I just want to reiterate this point that I just love how just the tone of the show, how it is super dark, but it still has that Saturday morning superhero cartoon feel like Static Shock or whatever uh, cartoons I would wake up as a kid and watch. It's just still a lot of elements of that. And the way they blend that is just so great, I think. Yeah, a lot of their humor isn't relying on the R rating. They're not being funny because it's disgusting or crude or they're cursing. a wrong text and having to put an asterisk next to the... You know, simple Stuff kid like shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like I said in, in the beginning, when Omni Man drops him, and he's like, "You gotta grab him, right?" He's like, "Eventually." Yeah, and it cuts. That's funny. Or when Mark texts Amber and says, uh, "I was hit with something," and he's literally being hit by a villain. It's cute, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I very much appreciated that. And I, I always love when superhero shows are self-deprecating. They, they'll take shots at the genre, like. <laughs> Like Titan telling Mark, you know, I'm going to show you how Machine Man controls the city. And it cuts and he's holding him while they're flying. <laughs> he's like, this is some bullshit. Yeah. And Mark's like, it ain't great for me either, pal. <laughs> just goofy. It reminded yeah. me of Spider-Man Homecoming when he's in the suburbs and he goes to swing. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm in the suburbs. Yeah. yeah just to say overall, I I, I love this show. I, I really look forward to it every Thursday at 1030-ish because that's when they've been dropping it. Really? Yeah, yeah. It comes oh. out a little early. It's it's very compelling. I think yeah, there's yeah. a lot of interesting characters, a lot of different storylines they can I think every week they kind of add a different element to the story that it it's it doesn't become too much. It, it becomes it builds intrigue. Right, yeah, and it builds character like moments of Amber and Eve not being jealous, just being friendly. Mm-hmm. That's always nice. In a high school story usually when you're friends with a girl, she's got to have a problem with the girlfriend. No. They're just two high school kids and Amber sh- possibly showing Mark that there are other ways to be a hero. That you can pick up a ladle, work at the soup kitchen, memorize everybody's name, make those personal connections. That's probably the most important part of making the world you want to live in, as she says. Um, but then the show can it gives you smaller moments like that, and it gives you the epic battles where 
you see where the budget's going. I mean, this is kind of unprecedented to have an eight-episode, 40-minute animated show. Um, 40 minutes per episode. Like an actual television production. Right. Um, I know some people last week were complaining about some of the still images, characters not really moving. You gotta allocate that budget, man. You gotta... (laughs) These action sequences, you gotta make them look this way. You know? And they look fantastic. Yeah, I think a lot of the animations and a lot of the the bigger moments of the show have have looked very, very good. You wonder how they're going to end this this season because we're coming up on the last three. Does it end with an Omni-Man telling his family what he did? Cliffhanger, one mm-hmm. of those types of things, and we pick it back up on season two because I know the comic runs forever. Really? Yeah. So eight episodes almost feels like you know like it's not enough. But like I said, it's <laughs> it's like a big boy show. Eight episodes, 40 minutes, you know? Yeah. No commercials. Yeah, and I think we nailed that on our last review, the prediction about the clones claiming that they're the real one mm-hmm. as soon as they're born. Yeah. It's just a never-ending cycle. <laughs> Even robots, like, I don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, any guesses? Any good guesses about what the hell this guy's trying to do? He obviously wants to make a clone. He's got Rexplode's uh, DNA. Blood DNA, and it looks like he wants to help Monster Girl. And he's got that decrepit-looking clone in a tube somewhere. Not yeah. clone, but body. Yeah. Uh, I thought that like it could possibly be him that he's trying to revitalize, but he seems to really care about Monster Girl. Make him a human body or whatnot, but I, yeah. I, I, maybe it's just something where we see of artificial intelligence in comic book stories like Ultron, where his, his view on how to fix things is extreme, right? Yeah. So maybe he's trying to make his own team, one that he can control that would be more efficient. Or you talk s- about like he's trying to clone all of them? Yeah, or something like that where he can, can, it's easier for him to control and work better as a unit and kind of have that cohesion that you need within a team. I mean, just cloning Rex Blode, plucking him out and putting your own guy in. Because Black Samson was trying to, he was giving them the rundown. They were like listening. He comes back then, like an English accent, very proper. <laughs> yeah. Voiced by Tom Middleston. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what his deal is. I, I like him. I like <laughs> Robot. Too, yeah, yeah. Zachary Quinto's great. Um, I don't want him to be evil. The voice. We don't need. We don't need another evil robot storyline. Hey, he's a gray robot. That's really what this this show is setting up. I think. I think as we continue to move forward, it's going to get. Just grayer and grayer. Like a character like Cecil, man. What does he have in store for Invincible? Obviously, we think that he wants to turn him against his dad. He's keeping an eye out to see, you know, Mm -hmm. where does he really stand. But (laughs) I I imagine moving forward for the rest of the season and and seasons to come, it's going to just get more complex the more you introduce these personalities. And it's a great show. It's been a great first five episodes. Yeah, and I think the perspective, too, of having a young adult perspective on like th- th- those being your main focus for your characters and how they view the world it, it is interesting it adds a it sheds a different light on things that if we were getting strictly omni-man or other older characters perspective on things because it's still new it's exciting like rex Blode, up until now probably he didn't take it too seriously he's like i'm a superhero this is fun this is the life i want but when these harsh realities get thrown at you like that it, it it's gonna make you reevaluate. yeah and you know, as we as the episodes go on and the seasons, we'll see these characters continue to grow into their own. And I guess, and along with them, the audience gets new perspective. And I think that always keeps things fresh. Well said. And very much looking forward to episode six. Shit just got real. And we're going to see the repercussions. That's the name That's of the episode? Fun. No. Oh. 
<laughs> you would think that could have been an episode title, right? Shit just got real. Shit just got real. Yeah, it's TBA. It's a weird title. Yeah, no, that's not very creative. <laughs> Tibba. All right, we'll see you next week for Tibba. Well, would you look at that? It's finally over. Hey guys, Bo Oliver here for one final send-off. Now, before I beg you guys to like and share this video, I'd like to thank our very special Patreon pledgers. We are very proud of the community we've been able to build here at NerdTube, and it would not have been possible without our Patreon supporters. You guys are the true MVPs of this channel. Everything I've said, you keep the fridge full, you keep the lights on. There aren't enough words to thank you guys, but we'll do it anyway. Thank you. And we have a few videos coming up that have been suggested to us by Patreon pledgers. My Hero Academia, Neon Genesis Evangelion, and Full Metal Alchemist will be reviewed by Marissa, and yours truly, and Castlevania, which will be reviewed by Marissa and Aaron. And if you'd like to consider donating to our Patreon page, you can visit patreon.com slash nerdsoup and check out some of the rewards we offer to our listeners. And really, we'd like to thank everyone who takes the time out of their day to watch our videos. Patreon pledger or not, your support is what keeps us motivated to keep giving the world our opinions on movies and TV shows and video games and pop culture, even though no one asked for it. We're still here, we're still yapping, and we hope you continue to join us. I'm Bo Oliver and I support this message.